with her in the room. We didn't even know she could hear us. We found out several years later that she did hear us because um, she wasn't responsive. And so the uh, kids were 10 and 12. So we got on either side of her bed and held hands, and we read the 23rd Psalm. And when we got to the verse about that he would walk with us through the valley of the shadow of death, we all stopped and started to cry. I said, Lord, we are in that valley right now. And uh, so we said to her, we to the children, and I said to her, you're not alone in this valley. The Lord is there, but so are we, and we're not abandoning you. We're going to walk through this very dark place, this very dark valley together. And they said that's how we handled it. I'll come back to that story in just a minute. Today is the second Sunday of Advent. Advent means the appearing of the Messiah, the long-awaited fulfillment of the promise that God did not forget us. And it's here. So we've told you about our children and youth. I think it's just wonderful what's happening up here. I just love it. So each week we've been preparing our hearts for the coming Messiah. That's the reason we do Advent, to prepare us for that wonderful, supernatural, magical moment, Christmas Eve, when she gave birth to a son. That's what we're doing. We're preparing our hearts for that event. As we move through Advent each week, we're also looking for the gift that the Messiah brings. So today we're going to talk about sheep. That's you, by the way. You're sheep. We're going to talk about you. All right, sheep, a little bit of background. Sheep provided most of the necessities of life in the ancient Near East. Sheep provided milk, meat, hides, wool. Thus, for the people of the ancient Near East, it was a chief source of wealth. They measured wealth by how many sheep they had. Wool was a precious and a good product for trade. For example, in 2 Kings chapter 3, King Mesha of Moab was required to pay Israel tribute. And this tribute was wool from 100,000 rams. That's what they wanted. That's how valuable it was. The whiteness of the wool was a symbol of purity. It could be woven into a number of useful, worn items. Also, sheep were favored as sacrificial animals. They were the primary animals to be sacrificed. This lays the foundation for identifying the crucified Jesus as the Lamb of God in John. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They were gentle. They were docile. Largely, they were defenseless and in need of constant supervision. They're dumb. Okay, now think about my opening statement. We're talking about you. And me, by the way. We're all sheep. I just love the metaphor that God chose. Sheep, one of the key metaphors. Mark, you've heard Mark say several times in his prayers that it's amazing that God would choose to use a bunch of knuckleheads like us. Well, that's the modern version of the the metaphor sheep, a bunch of dumb people like us. Gentle, docile, defenseless, in need of constant supervision. Nathan's parable, when he approached David, illustrates the bond between sheep and shepherd in 2 Samuel. I'm going to read a little bit of this to you. You may remember the story. David was a king, had everything he ever wanted. And if he wanted more, all he had to do was ask for it from God. The one thing he wanted that he couldn't have was another man's wife, Bathsheba. And he took her anyway. So here's what Nathan said to him, 2 Samuel chapter 12. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich, the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. 
He raised it, and they grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David was furious. I love the image. He burned with anger. He was furious. He was furious against the the man who stole the poor man's little sheep. So he said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay that for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing that had, and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. Wow. There's a couple lessons in here. One is you can't get away with it. Don't try. Okay? You can't get away with this. Can't get away with choosing to sin and hurt people. Don't even try. But do you capture the the image of this man who took this little lamb into his own family? It illustrates the bond between the sheep and the shepherd, the one watching over it. In fact, if you go back and you read the Exodus account carefully, when they were being led out of Israel, the tenth plague was the uh, angel of death that passed over And they had to put the blood on the doorposts. But you know what they had to do? They had to take a yearling, a little baby lamb, into their home three days before the angel of death passed over. So they took this little tiny lamb into their homes for three days, and then they slaughtered it. Now, think of your children. What would happen? What would be communicating to your children to bring a small lamb into your family for three days and live with it? You see the sacrifice? Incredible sacrifice. And then they put the blood on the doorposts. And you know the rest of the story. The helplessness and the utter dependence of sheep on the shepherd underlie the depiction of us as the flock of God. He calls us sheep. We are completely dependent on him. We really are defenseless. At night, the vulnerable sheep are kept in a sheepfold against the dangers of weather, predators, and robbers. That's some of the image behind the John 10 passage when you read it where Jesus talks about, I am the door to the sheep. He protects us. He takes care of us. Shepherds stayed with their sheep day and night. They provided their flocks with food and water. They defended them against thieves, wild animals. They searched for any sheep that wandered astray. Each shepherd carried a curved staff used as a walking stick and for guiding and dividing the sheep. And also a rod or a club to be used as a a weapon. Weapon against who? Well, those who might steal the sheep, but also wolves. And the sheep often weren't aware that the wolves were in the area, were around. And so that was the shepherd's job, is to take care of the sheep and protect them. Okay, so what is our role as sheep? I'm going to read to you Psalm 23, one of the most beautiful psalms and one of the most well-known psalms as well. Listen to this language. The Lord, all caps, L-O-R-D, this one true God, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. For his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
Not only do they direct the sheep, but they protect the sheep. They bring comfort. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love, he brings these two metaphors together, the sheep and the shepherd and the banquet table. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Our primary role is to trust the shepherd. That's our primary role. As we see in the ancient Near East, the kings were all, in almost every country, were referred to as shepherds. That's a very common metaphor. Shepherds take care of the sheep. It's used throughout the Old Testament to refer to both good and bad uh, shepherds. An example of a good leader, a good shepherd, David. Even with all the things that he did, all the ways that he sinned against the Lord, the Lord still called him a man after my own heart. He was a good shepherd. Now I'm going to read to you a few verses of an example of a bad, bad shepherd or shepherds. This is out of Ezekiel 34. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. These are the kings, the elders, those in charge. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? Isn't that your fundamental responsibility is to care for the flock? You eat the curds, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the choices of animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. These are the shepherds of Israel. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountains and on every high hill, they were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. This is a key passage for our elders to remember what we're about. No one went and looked for them. Isn't that the job of shepherds? Is to bring the sheep together and to take care of them? So, when you read through Psalm 23, what ways are we to trust the shepherd? I just wrote down from going through there, we are to trust him for our provision. We're to trust him for our blessing. We're to trust him for refreshment, for guidance. We are to trust him for comfort. We're to trust him for protection. We're to trust him for goodness and love, goodness and mercy. And most importantly, we're to trust him for our eternity. That's what our job is as shepherds. In Isaiah 53, 6, well-known verse to you. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Now listen to these words, because I'm going to play an excerpt from the Messiah, Handel's Messiah, written in 1741, which captures this. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. And he's referring to his sacrifice who we know is the Messiah. So listen to this. Everyone to his own way.
turned everyone to his own way. Christians down through the centuries have wrestled with this idea. I just wanted you to hear a glimpse from Hamba's Messiah. So what's the gift? Well, obviously, at one level, the gift is Jesus himself. He has laid on him our iniquities. He's not holding us accountable. That's the heart of the good news, folks. That is the gospel. He has laid our iniquities on him. That's what it means to be a Christian, to trust God. But it goes further than that because he has provided gifts for everyone throughout the church. They're called elders. I'm going to switch to the New Testament now, 1 Peter 5. As we move into the New Testament, this metaphor of the sheep shepherd, it saturates the stories of the New Testament. For example, 1 Thessalonians 1.5. Paul reminds the Thessalonians that he lived among them. That's shepherd imagery because the shepherd lives with their flocks day and night. They all understood that. As the shepherd tended their flocks, they would begin to smell like the sheep. Now think about that. As the shepherds lived day and night with their flocks, caring for them, they began to smell like the sheep. This revealed their constant attention to the sheep day and night. Good and bad. We're going to come back to that. So what does it mean to tend the flock? I'm going to read this passage out of 1 Peter 5. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock. Shepherd God's flock. This is the gift. God has provided shepherds. Oh, it's wonderful. It gets better. Shepherd God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, because you want to. As God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain. You're not in it for the money. You're not in it for the glory. But eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples. So these shepherds that God has provided are there to love you and care for you, to be in your midst, take care of you, to be examples for you. That's why we're very careful who we appoint as elders, by the way. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So the elders are to shepherd the flock. Now, I want you to notice this passage we often pull out. 
But I'm going to read the verse before and the verse after to give you a sense of where, where Peter's going. This is the verse right before it. So then, those who suffer according to God's will, now make sure you catch that. Those who suffer according to God's will. Yes, God wills it. Get used to the idea. Paul says in Philippians that it's an act, a means of grace. In 1 Peter 2, back a couple of chapters, Peter goes so far as to say, if you suffer for doing evil or doing what's wrong, duh. That's my paraphrase. You should expect it. But if you suffer for doing what's right, for living a life of integrity, for living out your faith, this finds favor with God. Now, fast forward two chapters. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good, live through it. That's what he's saying. And every one of you have been there. And every one of you is going to be there again. Dark valleys. Live through it. All right, and then right after that, he's talking about resisting the devil. Resist the devil, stand firm in your faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the entire world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings that we are. We're not alone. Believers around the world are going through this. And the, great, and the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will restore himself I mean, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Sandwiched between these two verses on suffering is this section about elders. Do you see why they're a gift? They're God's gift to you. They're God's gift to you. Elders play a key role in how we suffer as individuals and as a community of faith. They do. That's why we anoint people with oil when they're sick. You, you're sick? Let us come and pray for you. When Roy Herring was sick, as soon as I found out, he was stunned. He'd never had that done before. We went over and prayed with him with oil, several of us, anointed him with oil and prayed for him. I always, it's kind of a fun part of the job. I asked him, which I asked all, I said, do you want me to anoint you the way the Bible says it, uh, gives us examples or the way I like to do it? Well, your natural tendency is to say, well, well, I'll do it the way the Bible says. So what does the Bible say? Well, Psalm 133, the oil is like a flowing down on Aaron's head, down his beard, all down his robe. I'm going to dump the whole thing on top of you. My way to do it is to stick my thumb in, make the sign of the cross on your forehead, and pray for you. Roy said, I think I'd like that one. We prayed for him. Is there any magic in that? No, it's, a sim it's symbolic. James 5, if any of you is sick, let him call the elders. They'll come and anoint you with oil and pray with you. Think about what's underneath that. In the first century world, when they didn't have the modern medications that we have today, when someone was sick, they were quarantined or the whole group would get sick. So to have the elders go and surround someone who was sick was very risky. It's a show, it's a, show a sign of solidarity. That's what it is in the first century. Now, we have medications today. We don't worry about that so much. But the sign of solidarity is still there. If you are sick and hurting, you're depressed, you're discouraged, you're down. Let us come. Let us come. We anoint people with oil. That's why we pray for the sick. That's why we visit hospitals. Every time we hear about someone going in the hospital for surgery or whatever, we try to get down and pray as best we can. This is why we meet people regularly who are discouraged, depressed, down, struggling. Because that's what we do as elders. We shepherd. You are under the care of our elders, and they are very, very good. 
So what is your role? Listen to the very next verse. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Is this a beautiful picture or what? The elders sacrifice by giving their time, their care, their love, their prayer for you. They do. Our elders sacrifice time. They hate it when I do these kinds of things and highlight them. And you, in return, respond with humility and grace. Is that a beautiful picture? If we have elders, either present or former, stand up. Come on, stand up. I see you guys out there. I'm going to call you by name. There they are. Look at these guys. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your steadfastness, walking by faith, caring for people. Most of you don't come to our elder meetings. You could and should. They're open. You could come. But we spend part of the time praying for you. We have a list of who we know of that's sick and hurting, and we pray for them. Good, good people. Submit to your elders. Listen to them. Demonstrate humility toward one another. Trust God, okay? Endure knowing that God will restore you. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Okay, the result is that we become a fragrant aroma. Listen to Paul's words in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Those sheep that smell so yummy, we become the pleasing aroma to the Lord. I said this in the first service, just like when you grab your children and several moms started laughing. I know your kids don't always smell great, but don't you love the smell of your kids? That's how the Lord thinks of us, pleasing aroma. I want to show you a 20-second video of what smelly sheep, what elders look like. That's our chairman, by the way. On Tuesday night, uh, when we get started early, I said, come on, guys, we're going on a field trip. We went up to the uh, middle school room and had them hang out for a while with the middle schoolers. We tried to do that from time to time. Last time we had a Nerf gun fight and uh, Frank Butler broke his foot. So we're a little more careful. <laughs> That's your elders hanging out with middle schoolers. Does it get any better than that? It doesn't, does it? You see why the Lord smiles? It's a fragrant aroma. We have wonderful elders. You can trust them. We've asked you over the last several weeks if you're ready to meet the Messiah in new ways. The gift is that you can entrust yourself to God because he promises to help you through suffering and then restore you. Don't give up. Don't give up. Okay? And that gift includes 
leaders who sacrifice for you, who pray for you, who care for you, who watch over you. Lord, do what needs to be done to help. When you follow Jesus, he leads you and he walks with you through the darkest valleys. Don't give up. And you're not alone. We've walked with lots of people in dark valleys. With, Christian, with Christmas approaching, I'll leave you with this. With Christmas approaching, what dark place do you find yourself in? I know that some of you are in dark places. I get it. Next year, it'll be a different group that's in a dark place than this year. Last year, it was a different group than this year. That's part of what being a fellowship of believers is all about, a community of faith. Aren't we thankful that the Lord doesn't take us through all three dark places at the same time? That moves around the congregation, and that's what gives us a chance to show love and sacrifice and care for one another. That's the role of the Spirit, to show that kind of grace. So some of you are in dark places. Where do you find yourself? What is it you need to do? How do you need to experience this gift that the Lord has given you? Father, thank you for wonderful uh, just being so wonderful in our lives, for knowing us so well that you could call us sheep. We know that we're smelly. We know that we're dumb. And we know that you love us. It's hard to understand um, why you would think we smell so good, and yet you do. But Lord, we are so grateful for that. Father, help us during this Advent, this season, to continue to cling to you in these dark times that some of us are going through. In your son's name we pray. Amen.